0: What is going on everybody and welcome to the Wednesday, I had to think about that for a second, the Wednesday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. All these days between Christmas and New Year's blend together more than the regular days blend together, so I don't even know what day it is. But there's 14 hockey games tonight and uh, so that's why we're starting a couple minutes early here. 14. That's why we're starting a couple minutes early give us some time to get through the games here uh joining me as always Sloan Cliffy how was your Christmas weekend pretty good um
1: good point on all the days feeling the same as soon as the NHL's done it's like every game every day is this every day is Saturday <laughs> pretty much until um until New Year's Day passes uh no it was good I got uh head out of town go visit some family take three pretty relaxing days uh off which uh, was nice after the stress of having no power and throwing my back out. So um, it was nice to see some family, nice to rest up a little bit. Not nice to come back to a 14 game. <laughs> I wish we could space these things out a little bit more. 14 games tonight, four games tomorrow. But uh, we just you just got to play the opponent that's put in front of you, uh, as the coaches might say. So that's what we're going to do here. Uh, try to get through these 14 games in a reasonable uh, length of time.
0: Yeah, I wish my break was a little bit more restful. I feel so run down today. My throat's bothering me. Found out that, uh, you know, someone at my Christmas party, not at my house, uh, tested positive for COVID yesterday. Islanders fan on top of it. So like, if we get that, I'm bringing a stick and just breaking it over his head, Lane Lambert style, but.
1: Yeah, I, I must say, like, the rest factor, I, I think it, it's got to be completely different for people that have kids and people that don't. Um, I don't have kids myself, so, uh, you know, you help out a bit with the cooking and the cleaning, but uh, you don't have to worry about assembling presents. You don't have to worry about wrapping uh, too many <laughs> presents, uh, so on and so forth. So, a bit of a different story, but um, still some pretty interesting matchups. Lots of high totals here tonight, 14, and there are so, a few spots that are really sticking out uh in the top stacks tool and we'll get to but uh yeah we should probably start rolling through those games
0: yeah my five-month-old is starting to get his tooth first tooth so sleep is at a premium yes really that's why he's been a crabby patty recently but (laughs) let's get into the slate uh before we do as always thank you guys so much for the support the past few weeks if you want to support us further Uh, You can sign up using our affiliate link. Uh, You'll see it in the description down below. I will also drop it into chat uh, when Cliffy starts talking about the first game. Um, Yeah, and you can use promo code Strategy. You'll get you 10% off weekly or monthly memberships uh, for NHL. So thank you guys very much. Let's get into this first game here. We have the Columbus Blue Jackets with a 2.8 total heading into New Jersey. The Devils have a 4.1 total. Miserable weather in New Jersey today, but you don't play hockey outside, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, News here, um, Alex Holtz up to the Nico Heischer line with Pilat, Jack Hughes line, status quo, Timo Meyer with Dawson Mercer and Michael McLeod on the third line here. (sighs) Big game right off the jump. Devils have the highest total on the board at 4.1%. This is a 14 game slate and they have two lines coming in at double digits which for a 14 game slate is pretty high. The Devils Jack Hughes line I believe is the first, no, the second or third most expensive line on the slate at 22,200. This is a very good spot. They're coming in with almost 10% positive leverage. They are coming in with double digit ownership but you know I I they're fully correlated. I like them. There's not a matchup that concerns me. And like you always mentioned, it's kind of hard to stack the power play guys without Jack Hughes, so you might as well stack that Hughes line. If you want to go to the Nico Heischer line, like 12200 I get it, but they're coming in with a 1.2% top two stack and a 10% ownership share. At that point, you might as well just save the extra $300 and go down to Timo Meyer, Timo Dawson Mercer, and Michael McLeod. So Jack Hughes line, Devils third line. On the Columbus side, like the the – the devil's goalies are awful. So I, there is some merit to going to, you know, the, I don't even know what line to go to here because the Marchenko, Chinnikov, uh, Vronkov line, just riding waves here. They've had three or four days off. I'd probably just go to Gaudreau, Fantilli, Danforth line. They are coming with pretty, ne- pretty high negative leverage for Columbus. I don't know. I might just avoid them at, at all costs here.
1: Yeah, interesting on what to do with Columbus because they're they are coming in over owned, but they're not that expensive. And as you mentioned, like this this New Jersey goaltending, I mean they've had problems pretty much dating back like three four years now. Uh, Certainly over the last couple seasons, um, that's you know we saw that just in the playoffs, and it, it, it makes it makes it a little bit interesting to try to go to the Columbus side, but. Um, You know, outside of the penalty kill or outside of the goaltending, the penalty kill for New Jersey is not bad. And like, it doesn't make me super excited to go to that all Russian Columbus line that, you know, they're all on the top power play unit together. I certainly get why you why you'd want to use them. They're a pseudo top line that's perfectly correlated on power play going up against bottom three goaltending in the league and they're priced as a filler stack that you can put with super expensive stacks elsewhere on the slate. So I get wanting to use that particular Columbus line. Um, it is the New Jersey side uh, that I do like better, obviously. Uh, Hughes, Bratton, Um, they do have good offensive numbers together. I wrote about uh, Tyler Toffoli uh, in the picks article today up on stochastic.com, just head to the NHL section. It's free to read almost every day. Um, Three, three and a half expected goals, three point four actual goals per sixty minutes of five on five, all on the top power play unit. Uh, the price, you know, Tyler Toffoli's the cheapest he's been since the op- since opening night. Part of that is it, there's been a nice time drop, and I think that's the one notable thing I'll mention about New Jersey here. Like, it's a good matchup for them at all strengths. Five on five, penalty kill. Columbus's penalty kill has just fallen apart over the last you know month. Um, But what I will say is, is there has been some ice time losses like Jack Hughes over the last like eight games or something like that is under 20 minutes on average per night. Tyler Toffoli, he's in the low 16s, Uh, Jesper Brad around 17. Like these are guys not necessarily Toffoli, even though he does have a bunch of games over 20 minutes. But Hughes especially, he was a guy playing like 22, 23 minutes a night at times. It's not necessarily a death now playing that those types of minutes but when you're paying 22,200 I want the wingers to get more than 16 17 minutes of ice time and it's not just a function of blowing teams out like there have been some close games of late where they still don't play a lot they've been giving more time to um, the second second and third lines. so um I, I have no problem using New Jersey one here I do think that there are other expensive spots like you're right about oh sorry um Meant to pull up uh, the top stacks tool. Uh, I should probably try to do that instead. Just bear with us uh, in a first show back. There it is um, 22.1% top two stack, 11.3% ownership. So the leverage is just fine. You know, if you want to just use Jack Hughes by himself and and one off him, like go right ahead. Uh, I really do like that, that New Jersey 2 line. New Jersey 3 is one that's kind of sticking out to me Meyer, Mercer, McLeod. Um, you get guys on the second power play unit. Um, You know, McLeod, I think, has played pretty well this year, especially when they were missing Hughes in his year earlier in the season. Um, The numbers together aren't really that good. I wonder how much of it is just Timo Meyer that's, or even Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer hasn't played all that well, but I do love that New Jersey line. I just think, considering the ice time concerns and how many uh, expensive lines there are elsewhere on the slate, like we'll get to Minnesota, we'll get to Colorado, we'll get to, you know, Toronto, we'll get to, um, you know, Boston, like there are other expensive lines where the guys could play 19, 20, 21 minutes each. And um, they're not going to be coming in with as much ownership. So I really do like New Jersey too. I'm just worried about the ice time. Yeah.
0: And let's move on to the next one. Before we do, we have a $25 super chat from Paul Siaffi. If I messed up your last name, welcome to the club. Uh, thank you, gents, for all that you do. Thank you for tuning in when we have a show. We appreciate you
1: yeah certainly thanks a lot for that super chat um generous still in the Christmas uh giving spirit is Paul um thanks for the support we appreciate you guys watching hopefully we can help uh, a few people win some money here tonight
0: I was feeling pretty good about my beard
1: but man your, yours is glorious <laughs> uh, Yeah, the family the family members were liking it but they don't want it they don't want it to get too much longer because they don't want me to look like I've you know been sleeping under a bridge for for a year or something
0: a couple more months, you can start on the next season. The Duck Dynasty, <laughs> exactly. Washington Capitals with a two point four total heading into New Jersey, not New Jersey, New York. The Rangers have a three point two total. Washington has one of the lowest totals on the slate at two point four, only behind the Sharks, who play in the nightcap per usual. Any big slate always has to finish with the Sharks. I don't know, man. Like. I know Igor hasn't been great, and yada, 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 yada. I just don't really like these lines. Like, if you want to play Stromo, Vetchkin, Wilson in your 150 mix and you have a couple, fine, go for it. One to three. This is one of those lines where if it burns me, it burns me. I'm not making my night on a 2.4 road total. If you need a cheap two man, I think McMichael and Mantha are fine or, you know, to be in your MME mix, but Washington is strictly MME only. Rangers are a bit more interesting for me. They do only have a 3.2 total, which is, you know, okay. I mean, there are a lot of home totals here tonight, but the a um, lot of large home totals tonight. It is depressing the ownership on the Rangers a bit, but I, I kind of like that. Like, I don't mind. Like, as Rangers 2 has been chopped. Recently, now they're coming in at 2.5%. Rangers top line 1.1%, and that Rangers top line with Wheeler there has been pretty good, and they're only 15,600. So I don't mind for a mid-range line going to the Rangers one. So I'm in on the Rangers top six here.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of at a loss what to do with Washington here because yeah, you're right. Clearly, the lowest total on the slate. You got. You feel like eventually the goals got to start going in, right? Like. Over the last four weeks, that Washington top line is at 3.8 expected goals per 60 minutes, but 1.5 actual goals, they're shooting under 4%. Like, maybe it lasts the entire season, you know, maybe Ovechkin is washed, but Ovechkin has 25 shots in his last five games. Um, before the break, we talked about how bad the Rangers' defense had been, and it's it's been a big problem for them, basically, since Thanksgiving, or American Thanksgiving, I should say um, whether the first line or the second line, it doesn't really matter. And Anthony Manta on the top power play unit has changed things a little bit for Washington. It's still a small sample, only looking at 20 minutes, but their goal scoring rate has basically doubled, uh, with Mantha on the top power play. Uh, and not only that they've added, um, something like 12% to their shot attempts compared to what they were doing before Manta. So like like I'm not playing Washington on the road on a 14 game slate in a single entry. But I think your point about if you're playing 20 max or 150 or something like that is, is one to take is, you know, maybe you do want to include a little bit of Washington here. They're not super expensive. Um, The matchup really isn't that bad um, at five on five. Um, I don't mind Washington one here. Uh, but again I think in single entry you can kind of pass on them the question is what to do about the Rangers like you know that Washington top line does have good um defensive numbers together um under two expected goals against per 60 over those last four weeks uh right around two goals against per 60 at five on five um kind of a not a great power play matchup uh because Washington doesn't take a ton of penalties they're right around the league average Uh, The Rangers don't draw a ton of power plays. Again, they're right around the league average. Um, I, you know, just play the good lines. I would go back to the Rangers too. But I think this is kind of a situation where, like, if I'm in a single entry on a 14-game slate, I might just look elsewhere for my stacks.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, in single entry, unless you're going straight homer like me, like, I I, I mean, if I was going, to go straight homer, uh, I would put some Rangers in, but I don't think they're going to be high on my list tonight. Let's move on to the next one. Florida Panthers with a 3.2 total. Heading into Tampa Bay, the Lightning have a 3.3 total. This is an interesting game because Tampa Bay is kind of perceived as a good defensive team, and Florida is kind of perceived as a bad one. And the roles are kind of reversed here. Florida has a very good penalty kill. Tampa Bay's penalty kill isn't great. Florida – uh, Florida's Barkov line has been excellent defensively. Tampa Bay hasn't been great defensively. So I almost prefer – actually, I do think I prefer the Florida side from a stacking standpoint. Um, From a Kucherov standpoint, I think he's low on tonight. I definitely think you can one-off him here or, you know, put him with point. Nick Paul doesn't really do too much for me. Uh, He's been bad at five-on-five. He's been bad on the power play. Tampa, two is a bit interesting. Hagel, Sorelli, Stamkos. But I, I think I'm in more on the Florida second line here, Verhage, Bennett, Kachuk. We keep saying it. Eventually, Kachuk's going to break through with the goals. And when it does, it's going to be glorious. I know it is Vasilevsky in that, but I think I'm more on the Florida side here.
1: Yeah, I so I wrote up um, the Florida top line in the Pix article today um, as one of the stacks to use. And there are a few reasons for that. One, there's not a lot of ownership. This is the top stacks for Florida, Tampa Bay. Um, that Florida top line, 2.6% top two stack percentage, 0.3% ownership. Um, In fact, like there's some good lines here getting good top two stack probabilities and no lines coming in with 3% ownership or above. So there's six and a half total in this game, two pretty good offenses, and there's not going to be much ownership here. And that's really interesting for me. The reason I wrote up the Florida top line is they've gotten away from using Kucherov and Point. Uh, in a shutdown role, like primarily, I don't want to say shutdown role, but out against opposing top lines. They were, they were using Stamkos and Sorelli right before the break after Brandon Hagel joined that line. And you and I have talked all season about how bad Stamkos and Sorelli have been together. They, they've just been not good. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. Um, Stamkos and Sorelli have pretty bad defensive numbers together. Um, that's why I wrote up the Florida top line in the picks article and, um, 2.9 expected goals against for Sorelli and Stamkos. That's, you know, easily below average. Three and a half expected goals against for 60 to 5 on 5 this season. It's just bad defensive numbers. And Brandon Hagel, he's a pretty good offensive player, but he won't add a, a big defensive dimension to that line. And that worries me for their shutdown role, but I think it puts Florida 2 in a pretty good spot. And Florida 2 has been really, really good all season. Their last 10 games alone, 3.6 expected goals for four and a half actual goals for for 60 minutes, five on five. Like if I'm looking for a a sub 1% line, that's expensive, but not super prohibitive. Like maybe, you know, maybe like the New Jersey uh, Jack Hughes line that we just talked about. Like these guys are under under 20K uh, all in on DraftKings. So I kind of like Florida one in this matchup. I think both Florida lines are perfectly fine. Like this isn't a matchup I'm, I'm I'm, you know, I'm terribly afraid of. And it's a 3.2 total, like that's, you know, for a road total, I don't yeah, I don't care how many games are on the slate. That's a good total. And um, I think Florida One's kind of shown themselves to be pretty good all season long. And I'm not worried about them. You know, maybe they don't show up. It's the first game after the break. They had to travel. You know, they weren't allowed to travel until midnight, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see what happens. I, I considering the extreme low ownership we have in Florida one, I like them here tonight. Um, on the tampa side i i i'm not really big on tampa here tonight like florida is a pretty good defensive team i think that's something that's kind of getting lost in a bit of their success this year is that they're just they just straight up are a really good defensive team um i was looking at you know they're right around the top 10 um you know near carolina and seattle by like spectacles goals against over the last few weeks their penalty kill has generally been very very good um, Tampa really has to get there on the power play. Florida's not taking a ton of penalties. Plus, they have a good penalty kill. Like, honestly, if I'm if I'm taking any stack out of this game, I think it's Florida one.
0: Yeah, agreed. Or far. I mean, I like Florida two as well. But like, we've been more on Florida one just because their ownership has been way less. Ottawa Senators with a 3.1 total heading into Toronto. The Leafs have a 3.8 total. It is Martin Jones starting today, and I I'm not prepared. I'm just not prepared for Marty Jones to be starting. A little bit low energy today, but I'm sure he'll get another start and we can set off some horns. We can set off some, you know, I'll hire a mariachi band or something for the next time he starts. I'll make it up to you guys. But interesting game here because Stutzla and Norris finally swap spots. Top line is Stutzla, Giroux, Kachuk. Second line is Norris, Batherson, Tarasenko. Now, we we have those a little bit flip-flopped in the lineup builder or in the uh, top stacks, but um, we'll get that settled. Also, shout-out Angus Crookshanks. Appreciate Hermione's cat making it to the NHL. Just wanted to give him his proper due. Um, Kind of funny to see Toronto's second line have a higher top-two stack percentage than a Matthews line. Now, I don't know if I completely believe it, now that Matthews and Marner are together. I don't know. Like Maybe Marner is feeling better. Maybe the, the, the break is just what the doctor ordered. But I want to see the Ottawa ownership run with the guys flipped. I, I don't think it will make a huge difference. But Kachuk, Stutzla, Giroux is my favorite Ottawa iteration of that top line. Not a huge worry about Toronto matchups. Martin Jones in that. I think Toronto 1 and Toronto 2 are perfectly fine plays, but I think, like, if you can get that stutzlake chuck Jeru line around 2 3%, I'm definitely interested in that.
1: Yeah, um, speaking of teams struggling defensively, you know, again, before the break, you and I were talking about uh, how Toronto really wasn't doing well um, in the four weeks uh, leading up to the break, uh, you know, the final... Uh, two and a half you know, weeks of the season, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Toronto had some pretty bad defensive numbers of their own. Um, they were 28, I believe, by expected goals against at 5-on-5 five five in that stretch. They were worse than teams like Buffalo, Montreal, Detroit, and Anaheim. So uh, certainly Toronto had been struggling defensively. That Ottawa top line, 3.6 expected goals, 3.6 actual goals per 60 minutes. Now, a lot of those minutes were placed were played under DJ Smith we don't there's no sample under uh, Jacques Martin but um I'm not super worried about those three guys being able to generate offense so I, I don't mind Ottawa one here tonight what's interesting to me is seeing Norris and Tarasenko and Bath down on that second line because man that looks like a bad defensive line to me um we're uh, in our Discord we were talking a little bit about Josh Norris earlier today his metrics, whether you want to look at shot metrics, playmaking metrics, whatever, they're they're just terrible this year. Like, there's just no way around it. Like, there's nothing good uh, to say about it. I think um, he's assisting on a lot of deflections,
0: which was the
1: one thing that stood out. Like, he's not doing anything. Um, And Tarasenko, he's had really good playmaking numbers, but he's not improved defensively at all from the end of his tenure. Like, he's just gotten worse defensively since those shoulder injuries started. Um, you know, he's just getting old. That's what it is. He's like 33 years old now, I think. So um, that Ottawa two line looks pretty bad defensively. Uh, Nylander, Tavares, uh, and Tyler Bertuzzi, 3.7 expected goals for 60 minutes and 175 minutes together. Uh, Nylander, 24 shots and nine points in his last five games. Looks like he's found it uh, that level again. I don't mind, like, honestly, I don't mind some sort of power play stack here from Toronto. Like, you want to do, like, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, like something like that. I think that's perfectly fine. Like even strength lines. Um, I like the Toronto second line. I like their matchup here tonight. I think both lines are, are more than fair to play. And there is a positive leverage coming in on that Matthews line, 8% top two stack, 4% ownership here tonight as a trio. I just think I particularly like a power play matchup here because Ottawa does take their fair share of penalties, three and a half times shorthanded per game. Um, the penalty kill has like just completely fallen apart (laughs) over the last, you know, like month. Um, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get
0: you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24/7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you
1: like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply.
0: Bank of America NA member FDSC. It's
1: like eight eighth most shots against per minute. Their goals against dead per minute dead last in the NHL. Um, I do like some sort of Toronto power play stack, but I just really like the spot for the Toronto top six in general. I'm just watching to see how flat they come out after the Christmas break at home. Uh, against. guess... Uh, uh, against a divisional rival. I hope they don't because I think this is a really good spot for the Leafs, and especially that second line is kind of going overlooked.
0: Yeah, I agree there, and if you if you are better, I do uh, something on my Twitter called the big, the big dog plus money prop of the night. I put out a plus money prop uh, almost every night tonight. Matthews, they're hanging plus 190 for Matthews' power play point in this spot. Against the team giving up the most power play goals against
1: per minute over the last month. I mean, seems decent.
0: Like just for like reference, like if you wanted to do a Nathan McKinnon power play point, I think he's like minus 135. Mm-hmm. So like there you go. Boston's uh the Boston Sabres. Man, I need I need a CAT scan. Boston Bruins with a 3.5 total heading into Buffalo. The Sabres have a three total. This is another interesting game. Like a lot of these games have are good matchups. It's not like a ton of massive favorites. There are a couple, but like for a fourteen game slate, I think the matchmaking uh, is pretty decent here. Uh, Buffalo has been better of late. Not really a surprise when you get Tage Thompson and Jack Quinn, and you get Devin Levi back up with his head on his shoulders, and you get you know improvements on the blue line. The Bruins aren't great defensively, and I'm I'm seeing 0.4% here on Buffalo 1, and I'm going, hmm, 19-2. This is a 21,000-and-change line. Again, if they're rolling, I said it the last time. I don't know, man. I, I like Buffalo 1 here a lot. On the flip side, I don't particularly love the iterations of these lines. I think David Pasternak is a great one-off, as always. I just I, I don't really want a full stack like Coil Debrusque Marshan or Zacha Pasternak Heinen. Like I think it's fine. But they're coming in with a little bit of negative leverage. I'd rather get the positive leverage on a on a line that's underpriced when they're fully rolling and they're they've been showing signs of life. So I kind of want to keep that going on the ownership play here.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I, I have no problem going with Buffalo here, especially Boston's been taking a lot more penalties. Like they they've generally been a team that's taken a few penalties more than for their fair share of penalties this season. But they're all the way they're up all the way to second most power play opportunities given up per game to the opponent. You know the Buffalo power play has all their guys back. Um, it was deadly for most of last year. Now Boston's penalty kill has still stayed pretty good so it's not like you know this isn't like Ottawa like we just talked about Um, this is a situation where Boston could you know give up like five power plays and kill all five off fairly easily Um, I did write up Jack Quinn in the picks article he's back on that second line with, with Cousins and Paterka you know they were really really good last year three and a half expected goals four per 60 minutes five on five Quinn has two goals in three games I think like playing him as a one off against a Boston team that's been pretty middle of the pack defensively At five on five over the last month, I think something like a a Jack Quinn one off certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, Boston is, I think, is the side that kind of interests me here. Like, I I get your point about this not being my the best iteration of the lines. Like, I would definitely want uh, Marchand on the top line over Dan Heinen and then just pay the difference. Like, I would certainly love to see that. You know, I'd even take a a James Van Riemsdyk or something at this point. But it's a five. Five and a half percent ownership. He has 4.5.4 percent top two stack percentage for that Boston top line. Um, the Buffalo penalty kill has been amongst the worst in the league for you know basically like five weeks now since American Thanksgiving. Um, we're looking at the fourth most shots against and the fifth most goals against per minute while shorthanded over the last five weeks. Um, so, you know, if you just want one off David Pasternak, I think that's perfectly fine. Obviously he's going to get involved, um, if the team does go off, but I don't mind the Boston top line here. I, I think a five and a half percent ownership in a three and a half total, like that's tied for the third highest road total on the slate here tonight. Um, I I certainly don't mind Boston one, you know, if you want to turn it into a power play stack by itself, take Hanan off, put Marchand on or something like that. I think that's perfectly fine. I think uh, for me in this game, it's Boston one. And then I don't mind, you know, maybe like a two man from Buffalo two or something like that. But I, it's particularly a Jack Quinn one-off. I'm always a fan
0: of a Jack Quinn uh, one-off here. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. And it, I think that he makes their team so much deeper. Before we get to the next one, uh, as I mentioned at the top, uh, if you use our affiliate link to sign up for, nhl you can get 10 percent off using promo code nhl strategy what you get with that player and ownership projections top stacks tools lines combinations access to the premium discord where cliffy's always dropping a bunch of gems in there um i'm always in there jake and his giga chad jawline are always in there hoss is giving you techniques on how to grill in catering trays that's optional. You don't have to partake in that festival, but you do get the top stacks. You get all that stuff. You get access to the Discord. Tons of sharp guys in there. If you have strategy questions, whatever, ask away. Uh, say you came from the show. Make sure to go through the affiliate link I just dropped in the chat. Uh, you Get ten percent off using promo code NHL Strategy. Pittsburgh Penguins with a three total heading into the Long Island. That just—I mean—I met Islanders fans in the wild over the weekend. Rare sight. The Islanders have a 3.1 total. Shocker, they they weren't huge Elaine Lambert fans. Um, I don't know who is, but this is another interesting matchup here because the Islanders' penalty kill is awful. The Penguins' power play is awful, although it has been a little bit better of late. Now, the teams that they played have been bad. But you know what they're doing? They're winning the draw. And if they lose the draw, they're screwed because they can't, they can't set up. They can't enter the zone and set up. But if they win the draw, they can set up and make some noise. I don't know what that is, but, like, I don't know. I think this is a pretty good spot for pit one here. Uh 3.2% ownership, 6.7% top two stack percentage. They're under 20,000. You're talking about Buffalo one with the discount. You're getting pick one at the discount here. It's not – they only have a three total. But, again, like, let's not pretend the Islanders are very good defensively. Yes, Sorokin has been very, very good recently. He still gave up four goals to Carolina the other night. But, like, it it seems like if the Islanders take penalties, they're giving up goals. Like, I don't understand what's going on with their penalty kill. It's one of these things where, like – Something has to give in this game. Either the Islanders' penalty kill figures out or Pittsburgh power play figures it out. But with 19,400, when this line is generally 21 and change, I'll take some stabs on the Penguins' top line. On the flip side, I, I think there is merit to going to either of the top two Islanders' lines. Now, I don't know if you need to do it in one to three but they do have a 3.1 total. That's nothing to sneeze at. I don't I don't think, you know, the penguins are very good defensively, so they do have a pretty good penalty kill. So I'd be more apt to go for the 5 on 5 lines here, and for that reason, I probably go to the second line just because they're cheaper, they're a good filler stack, and they're just better at 5-on-5. Five five. I mean, I know the, the top line has gotten better since Lee has gotten there, but uh, I mean, I think both are fine. I'm leaning towards Islanders too, and I do like Pit 1. Yeah,
1: I I also like Pittsburgh 1 here because you're right about that, that Islanders penalty kill um, over the last four weeks. I mean, it's generally not been good all season. Um, over the last four weeks, uh, second-most shots against uh, per 60 minutes um, while on the penalty kill, seventh-most goals against per minute like worse than teams like Arizona and San Jose um, it's just been a bad bad PK and the power play has been better at Houston in there um, it's still a small sample you're talking about the bad uh, teams that they played like Arizona Montreal Minnesota Ottawa those are all teams with bad penalty kills um, the Islanders have a bad penalty kill like this is just another team like one of those so I really don't mind uh, Pittsburgh won here tonight the Islanders' top line is what's interesting to me because, yes, they have been a lot better with Andrews Lee there. And I was just looking at, you know, their last few weeks to see if they had fallen off after a hot start. In their last three weeks together, 3.8 expected goals, 6.6 actual goals per 60 minutes of five on five. They're really good numbers. Now, Pittsburgh's top line has been better defensively uh, with Ricard Raquel. there. still not a big sample, though. And um, the Islanders don't really use that top line to shut down roll a ton anyway. Uh I don't mind the Islanders' top line here tonight. I'm going to be honest. I don't think this is a game where I'm going to be going to get my stacks, though. Like, this this kind of seems to me like one of those – like, it's perfectly fine, especially with the ownership. Like, you were talking about um, the Islanders' ownership. There's very little coming in on the top line, and they have 3.7 top two stack probability. Um, It's about the same for the Pittsburgh top line. So, for ownership reasons, I really don't mind both top lines here. I would probably lean to the Islanders top line, like in one of those tie-breaking scenarios, I'd always kind of lean to the home team. So I think I like Islanders one, but if the adding Proustan in has legitimately made this power play better, like we'll need a bigger sample to figure it out, but this is a pretty good spot for it. So um, I think both top lines are are definitely in play here, though on a slate this large, I might personally be looking
0: elsewhere uh, in a single single entry format yeah and single entry stacking a game in long island just is like mentally miserable think you know the brooks ghost think again introducing the all-new better than ever ghost 16 now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight supreme softness that feels good every step every street every single day so go ahead Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Detroit Red Wings with a three total. Heading into Minnesota, the Wild have a 3.5 total. Ryan Hartman returns for the Wild. Spurgeon and Zuccarello are still out. So they're going Caprazov, Joel Erickson, Matt Boldy. Then they got Rossi, Johansson, and Hartman. Detroit still uh, with the loaded top line. No one's playing them here tonight. They're $21,500, $200 cheaper than Minnesota 1, who's getting 16.4% projected ownership to 0.1% for Detroit one I'm not saying play Detroit 1 in single entry. I'm not saying that at all. But they are a fully correlated line against a pretty pooper's penalty kill at 0.1%. Now they're on the road. It's 14 game slate. They have a three total. I completely get it. And they're over. Like they're overpriced compared to all of that. But the Minnesota Wild penalty Kill is atrocious. If you have like 20 lineups or 150, like 20 lineups having one of 20, 150 lineups having a handful, I think that's an interesting play. The more and like the more pressing matter is what to do with Minnesota one here, right? Because Detroit sucks defensively too, they, they do have some positive leverage, but there is, you know, Colorado on this slate. There, are, there are other expensive spots. Do you want to be paying almost twenty two thousand for a sixteen percent line on a fourteen game slate? I think it's warranted. I still don't know if I'm going to do it. I don't mind a Marco Rossi one off or two-manning him with Hartman, just, you know, getting the lower ownership. Rossi's on the top power play unit. What are your thoughts on Minnesota 1? Because I always – I seem to be struggling with them being so expensive since they put this line together. I almost never know what to do with them because Colorado 1, like, isn't much more expensive like they are, but they're not. And you know they're going to play 22, 23, 24 minutes. With John Hines, you don't know if Matt Baldy's going to make it past 18. Yeah.
1: um, No. Uh, Your point about wanting to pay that much for Minnesota is is well taken. I think one thing that's happening with the Minnesota top line is they're actually generating high levels of quality offense. And honestly, that had been a problem for the top line for like a year now. Like going back to this time last season – Um, they just weren't generating a lot of quality like the top line 2.1 2.2 2.3 expected goals for 60 minutes of five on five like pretty bad offensive numbers for what should be a such a talented top line that's really changed under john hines um they're up to three expected goals per 60 minutes at five on five under hines uh with erickson and kapasov on the ice 3.8 actual goals per 60 minutes at five on five um they're getting top line minutes which is One of the concerns that I had with um, John Hines coming in and how Boldy wasn't playing a ton of minutes in his first few games under the new coach, but his last three games, I think he's been under over 21 minutes in every game. So they're actually getting a lot of ice time. And this is one of the better power play spots on the slate. Like Detroit does take a lot of penalties. They're at 3.6 times shorthanded per game as much as Minnesota actually. Um, And the, you know, Detroit penalty kill has just not been that good like yes Minnesota's penalty kill has been bad they've been saved by their goaltending of late so you know that certainly helped Detroit's also in the bottom 10 for shots against on the PK over the last four weeks or you know four weeks and change that's um that's something that Minnesota can kind of feast on uh, so I don't really have a problem with playing Minnesota at their high ownership. Like you were saying 60 16.4% ownership, 22.7% top two stack percentage. Um, I think this is a perfectly fine matchup to use Minnesota one, even at 15, 16%. Like there are not enough spots to get different on a slate this large that 15, 16, 17% ownership doesn't really bother me. So I really do like Minnesota one. I'm not so high on their depth lines. I think this is a special teams matchup for both sides. And your point about Detroit is a good one because, as I said, the Minnesota penalty kill still giving up a ton of shots while they're shorthanded. They're actually giving up the fifth most shots per minute since they hired their new coach. That's a 13-game span now. The difference has been they've gotten 934 goaltending while on the P.K., you know, any penalty kill will look good when you're getting nine thir- uh, you know 93.4% save percentage. So that's going to fall through eventually. They have to start allowing fewer shots. Detroit has had a pretty lethal power play at times this season. There is no ownership on them like you were talking about, 0.1% ownership. I don't think I would play them in a single entry because you're, you're really relying on probably a double dong on the power play to, to try to get uh, what you need for value. Um in um in a DFS tournament because Minnesota has been the best defensive team in the league since Heinz was hired. This has been 30 days now. They played 13 games at five on five, their first by expected goals against per 60 minutes at five on five, and their first by actual goals against per 60 minutes at five on five. Detroit almost certainly needs to double dong on the power play. Um that's why it's like I think it's kind of thin for a single entry and they and they probably have to score 5 on 5 on top of that. So like you're asking a lot for a pretty brutal matchup where you're you're just depending on the power play having a monster night. That's why I think this is more of a case for like having like two or three Detroit ones in your 150 mix rather than
0: playing Detroit one in a single entry. Oh yeah, I agree with that too. Like I'm I'm not strongly considering them in single entry, but I think if I was playing 150 having at least five You know, having like 3% or something like that is completely fine. Now, I know we saved defenses for the end, but just wanted to say like there's been a ton of buzz about Brock Faber with Jared Spurgeon out. He plays over 30 minutes. The guy is not a shooter. So like if you're expecting this combo meal from him, like I've seen people like yelling about how he's such a great play. Even in the minors, he wasn't a big shooter, so you're kind of relying on him to hit the score sheet with assists more than you are getting the stuff. Fine play. Just wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah, better put him on the slander list. I don't know if that's slander because I have been playing him, but I I don't expect, like, 30 fantasy points. You know what I mean? Slander list. We'll get a ruling from uh, Clayton later because he – pretty much scribes the whole chat, which is incredible, by the way. Carolina Hurricanes with a 3.2 chat or I mean, I'm scheduling a CAT scan after this. 3.2 Carolina with a 3.2 total heading into Nashville. The Predators have a 2.9 total. No one's getting ownership in this game. All the lines are projected under 1% except for the Cockniyemi Neches mean, Svechnikov line. I think that line is perfectly fine. They're going to avoid Ryan O'Reilly, and the depth for Nashville isn't very good defensively now. UC Saros probably in net. Will that deter you? In MME, you still can have some. The the most interesting line to me in this game, and I value most of this game as MME, is Nashville 1, right? Because they're going to avoid the stall line. They're going to get the Ajo, Jarvis, Teravine in line. And the biggest thing of all, the Carolina goaltending sucks. So, like, as good as Carolina is defensively, that round of rally line avoids the best defensive line, and they get a crap goaltender. And at 0.9%, I think getting above the field, one, is easy, and two, I would be above it. In MME, can you play them in single entry? Sure. I, I don't think I'm going to get there, but they are definitely a line in the mid-range. They're 17,400 that I, I would be considering in 20 max. On the flip side, yeah, just real quick, sorry – Carolina one, I think is fine. It's a pretty tough five on five matchup, but Nashville struggled pretty heavily on the, on the PK. So got it, Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, i like, I'll just say the only line that that really interests me is Nashville one. Um, the way Carolina has been switching their lines around kind of make me nervous. They're John um their line combinations pretty much on a nightly basis. And, you know, Aho and and they have been gener- they've been doing what Carolina does, which is generate a lot of offense but not a lot of goals. Um, 3.4 expected goals for 60 minutes, but only shooting 6.5% together. Um, you know, Nashville's top line has, you know, their de- their offensive play has fallen off a little bit, but their defense is still you know league average. And I don't think that's necessarily good enough to warrant uh, you know playing Carolina on the road when they basically have four lines that can score. Um, that's kind of the other point here is like this isn't like a Colorado or even something like Minnesota that we just saw where you could probably guess which line is is going to explode um, if they have a big offensive night like Carolina could score five goals here tonight and all five goals either come from the defenseman or the fourth line like that's just kind of the kind of the way that they play. So the only line that I'm really interested in for tournament stacking is Nashville one their offense has fallen off though. kochetkov has been better of late like he had that one bad game right before the break but he had had like a bunch of good starts before that so I'm gonna be honest like there are enough lines here tonight that are like you know under two percent even under one percent ownership that I think I would rather go to this is not a spot where I'm I'm really running out to stack forward lines yeah
0: Dallas Stars with a 3.6 total heading into St. Louis the Blues have a 2.9 total Another interesting game because I believe Ottinger is week to week. I haven't seen an update on him. Stars haven't confirmed a goal yet, but most likely it's going to be Wedgewood. Now, three point six road total is the biggest on the night, tied with Vegas. It is the Blues? I mean, they're they're bad. Is this the night where you go back to Dallas? One, I don't know. Like, I think they're fine. They're 18,603% projected. I just feel like going back to Sagan, Duchesne, Marchman. Like, their price hasn't really moved in months. They're playing, you know, 15, 16, 17 minutes. They're not going to get the kairou thomas Buchnevich line. Not that, you know, they're an elite shutdown line or whatever. But the depth of the Blues is atrocious. Shane Sagan, and Marchman can take advantage of that. If you want to go to Dallas 1, I think you know this is a pretty good time at that price, at that ownership. So I'm fine with the Dallas top six here. I'm going back to the Blues' top line. 2.9 total for a one-line team is pretty good here. So they're coming in with a tiny bit of negative leverage at 4.4% projected compared to a 3.1 top, uh, top stack. 16,500, they've been playing well outside of that one game they got benched think that kind of lit a fire under them a little bit, but you know, Dallas is a good defensive team, but with Wedgwood or worse than that, I'm going to take a stab on St. Louis one. So we
1: should, I, I want to mention that Dallas's top line has been generating more offense at five on five. That was the one thing that was a big problem for them. Basically through the first two months of the season was they weren't generating a ton of five on five. They were still efficient with their shots, but the, you know, because they're generating less, they were scoring less than last year and they're really living on the power play. Like Robertson and Hints have both gotten like roughly one third of their, um, production this year on the power play. And St. Louis is not a team that takes penalties. That's kind of my problem here. St. Louis is, I think they're the least penalized team in the league still 2.73 times shorthanded per game. That's even less than Columbus that we talked about earlier. uh, so where you have got, you know, at least two guys on the top line, and I think, like, half of Pavelski's goals have come on the power play. So, like, this is a line that really needs the power play to thrive. Um, I'm just not sure that this is a great power play spot to do it. It's kind of why I le- I'm with you. I think I like Dallas, too, a little bit better here. And there are a couple reasons for that. Um, obviously, one, you know, the power play matchup doesn't matter as much. And two is Braden Shen and Jake Neighbors. They fucking suck. They have terrible defensive numbers together. 81 shot attempts against per 60 minutes of five on five. Like that's legitimately a uh, like a good penalty kill. Um, so it's basically a good penalty kill whenever they're on the ice of five on five. 3.2 actual goals against per 60 minutes. We know how good Duchene, Sagan, and Marchman have been most of this year. They did get broken up in the last game, but uh, like I'm not super concerned about that. Like this team seems pretty. Um, they seem like they really want to make this current iteration of the lineup work, at least the top nine as it is. So I think it's going back to our guys, Dallas 2, uh, Duchesne, Sagan, and Marchman. Still getting reasonable ice time. The offensive numbers have slipped a little bit. Um, they're under two expected goals for 60 minutes over their last nine games. But, you know, they're shooting over 10% because they are still such uh, a, a talented line. And it's a great, great five-on-five matchup for them. Um, I think I like Dallas Two best here. They are coming in with negative leverage, 0.9% top two stack, 2.3% ownership on the top stacks tool. But I think this is a really, really good matchup at five on five for Dallas Two. So I like Dallas Two in this uh, in this matchup. You know, Dallas is a really good defensive team. Their goaltending has kind of let them down. If this was a situation where st louis's top line was coming in at like one percent or something like that i think I'd, I'd probably go with them but they're another line that's coming in with negative leverage uh 4.4 ownership 3.1 top two stack um dallas's penalty kill has generally been good this year so um you know i i don't mind going to st louis one because they are perfectly correlated but i think it's dallas two that i like best in this game
0: yeah and if you're just you know, if you need a one-off from that line, it's probably Duchesne, just because he played. He usually plays the most minutes of those three. Gotten that question a bunch about that line, uh, yeah. so I was thinking about it. So I just answered it in my head for you guys. There you go. Uh, Colorado Avalanche with a three-point-five total heading to Arizona. The Coyotes have a two-point-five or excuse me, two-point-nine total. Uh, Vomelka in net for Arizona tonight. What do you I'm out of things to say about Colorado. One, if you can fit them comfortably, you play them, especially tonight, because they're only coming in with 7% ownership and they still it's a 14 game slate and they have a 31.4% top two stack percentage. That doesn't mean they're going to break the slate. It just means they have a 30% chance to be a top two stack, which there are a lot of stacks. There are 28 teams, four lines per team. Quick math, that's 132 lines, and they have 31% to be in the top two. I think I did that math right. Yeah, I did. Um, If you can fit them comfortably and you like the lineup, you play them. If you can't fit something you like, you look elsewhere. 25-5, it's more than 50% of the cap. What to do with Arizona? That top line has been pretty good with Kerfoot, as crazy as that sounds. Um, they're 14,700. They're double. Their ownership is double their top two stack percentage, which for Arizona worries me a bit, but they they are perfectly correlated Colorado takes a lot of penalties and their goaltending hasn't been great of late. So I, I think you can take a couple stabs on Arizona one, Arizona two is another one of those lines that I throw into the, the well with Dallas two. If you need a filler line, lower ownership pretty cheap I'll never say no to Arizona too but I actually prefer both top lines here
1: yeah I wrote up Arizona two in the Pix article for a couple reasons one they've been used more in a shutdown role of late and that's leading to more minutes in general um they've been over 18 minutes a game uh all three guys over the last 10 games and you talk about how Colorado takes a lot of penalties they do three and a half times shorthanded per game. I think that's fifth most in the league, just behind uh, Minnesota and Detroit that we just talked about. Um, and Matias Michelli did get moved to the top power play unit. And I think that's a big boost not only for him, but for the power play unit because he's turned kind of into a dual threat, both a really good playmaker and a guy that can finish. So I think, you know, him being on the top power play unit, getting Sean Dersey back before the holiday break changes the outlook of that top power play unit quite a bit so i don't mind arizona two here uh as a filler stack you want to go to arizona one uh no real issue there's negative leverage but it's not like this isn't one of those crazy like 1.6 percent top two stack and 13 ownership like you might see with with seattle or, or calgary or something like that on, on some nights um but i think i do like uh, arizona two here they've just been playing better and have a larger sample of playing well like they per foot That has made has helped the top line, but it's still a fairly small sample for them. It's only 75 minutes. Like we're talking about like five games worth, six games worth of ice time. So, uh, Arizona two for me. And again, like you said, if you want play, if you can fit in Colorado one, if you want just one off Nathan McKinnon, you want just one off Miko, like Miko Ranton up to like 4.4 shots per game or 4.3 shots per game over his last 10 games or something like that. If you just want to one off those guys, go ahead. It's just a matter of what you want to do with the rest of your lineup because you're. Like you're either going to be stacking a, a super cheap third or fourth line somewhere, or you're going to be playing a bunch of one-offs. It's not the one thing I will say is Arizona's been taking a lot fewer penalties. They're they're down all the way to 3.1 times shorthanded per game, which is like tied for 24th or 25th in the league. So they're they've and they were in the top 10 earlier in the season. So they've been taking a lot fewer penalties over like the last six weeks. And that worries me because Colorado you know, they can get there if I'm a five, certainly. But you definitely want it to be a better power play matchup for them. I think that's kind of the way I would put it, you know, Arizona's penalty kills still, you know, nothing to write home about, but they are taking fewer penalties and when you're paying over half your salary cap for a line, um, you got to kind of figure out where they can fail. And I think that would be one of the reasons, but um, yeah, it's still a, a three and a half total, they probably can constitute like three out of three of those three and a half goals. Um it's still a pretty good matchup for Colorado one. I'll just say that, but I do like Arizona two here.
0: Yeah. We need our Terry Leckonen to come back soon. And Nishush can get like a week on the second line, because if he keeps rolling that this line's going to be 27,000 on draft because <laughs> he was like 5,100 when he first moved up to Colorado one, he's 7,300 tonight. There's like no room to move up McKinnon and Rantman. Like they're pretty much capped. Like, you're going to see AK Valerie Nishushkin pretty soon. It's going to be quite a scene. Winnipeg Jets with a 3.5 total heading into Chicago. The Blackhawks have a 2.5 total. I, the Blackhawks just suck, man. Like, they're so. Like, everyone made made big poo poo about Bedard's Michigan goal, and it was nice. But Bennington sucks. Like, he didn't even try to get over there. And the point I'm trying to make here is the Blackhawks are miserable 5-on-5. Five five. Like, miserable. Probably easily in the top three worst than the NHL 5-on-5. Five five. I like Winnipeg 1 here. The flow chart says don't play him, but the caveat is there isn't a lot of ownership. If Winnipeg was chalk here, then, the, then it would be like all the red flags, right? Winnipeg 1 coming in with positive leverage at 6.8% projected ownership, 18,200 is palatable. Gabriel Velarde is an absolute monster on that line. I don't know. I like Winnipeg 1 here, and I like them a lot more than any other line in this game, and it's not close. If you want to win off Bedard, that's fine. The kid's a monster. He looks like he's nine years old, but he is an unbelievable hockey player. Winnipeg 1, Connor Bedard, going about my day.
1: Yeah, I I'm also kind of in the in the Winnipeg one camp here like since they got put together again it's still not a big sample just 75 minutes but they've been monsters 88 shot attempts for 60 minutes 4.8 actual or expected goals for 60 minutes they're all on the top power play unit I did notice they have the top power I don't think the top power play has scored since Kyle Connor got hurt um that's a little bit of a concern um hopefully Alex like you know Alex Alley, follow he is what he is. Like I said in a show before the break, he's like pretty good in a net front spot. So now that he's healthy and back in the lineup and on the top power play, maybe he can make a little bit of a difference. But there's no matchup for Chicago, first, second, third line, whatever that is of any concern for this Winnipeg top line. They're by far the best line in this game. And the thing about Chicago's penalty kill is they haven't been allowing a lot of shots uh, over the last uh, four weeks and change. Um, they're just outside the top 10 for shots against, but they've been allowing a lot of goals uh, because their goalies just aren't that good. And it might not be a bad spot for the Winnipeg power play to at least pop one. All they really kind of need to do is pop one. And um, then you're kind of, you know, you're well on your way. Cause I, I think they score at least once at five on five here tonight. I mean, again, it's the first game out of the holiday break. We'll see who's, who was just eating a ton of Turkey and drinking beers and laying on the couch the entire time. And it wasn't, yeah guilty as charged as well but you know you mentioned the top stacks they are coming with a little bit of a positive leverage like a little bit of positive leverage against this Chicago Blackhawks team uh, um with a and Winnipeg has a three and a half total uh this is kind of like Boston where they're not coming in with a ton of positive leverage but it's a pretty high total and this line is I think better than Boston's top line obviously David Pasternak is the best player out of all of them I'm just talking about a three-man uh combination I think this Winnipeg top line uh can find some success here tonight they are one of my favorite stacks on the slate considering their price is only eighteen thousand two hundred. Uh, I do like Winnipeg one here I don't have a lot of interest in Chicago uh, the Winnipeg you know the Winnipeg Jets uh penalty kill. Not great, but Connor Hellebuck is is kind of the problem here. Like he is uh he has been really outstanding since basically a bad first week. So that you know it's been two really good months of play from him. Winnipeg doesn't take a ton of penalties. Chicago still no Seth Jones. Kevin Korczynski's not making a difference on the top power play unit. You know, Nick Felino's back on the top line with Connor Bedard. Um 1.9 expected goals for with him there. So, you know, not super excited about that. Uh, I just think this is a really, really good matchup. Basically, it all strikes for Winnipeg. Ehlers has been better uh, since getting to the top line. I think that's a big part of it, too. Like, he's creating more quality shots. I like Winnipeg one here.
0: Yeah. Connor Halbach, 16.2 goals saved above expected this season. Excellent season after that rough start. Yeah. Seattle Kraken with a 2.6 total. Heading into Calgary, the Flames have a three total. This matchup sucks. (laughs) <laughs> there's no getting around it. Like these two teams grind my gears and now they're playing, at least they're playing each other. So like I can just grit my teeth and shake my fist when they take the ice, but I don't have a ton of interest in this game. Shocker. I would be on the Calgary side. All their lines are 12, three. I mean the Lindholm line is 12, six, but the other two are 12, three. It's like, pick your poison. I'll go to Kadri, Zari, Pospisil, I just like that line. If you like one of the other lines, go for it. I just, you know what? Like, I don't have a ton of interest here. It is a three total, so I think you can play in MME. If you want to use them as a filler in 20 max, you want to use, like, a one-off cadre in single entry, sure. But, like, I'm not going out of my way to stack the Flames on a 14-game slate. Seattle, at least they're not chalk, but, like, I don't have a ton of interest there outside of, like, the (laughs) Flames goalies have been pretty bad, but, like, I I guess like a one-off Tolvenin or one-off Bjorkstrand or I don't even know, man. Like Beniers, Everlay Tatar actually have been pretty good since Tatar got there and they're 11,100 getting 0.3% ownership. So like if I was jamming in Colorado one, that would be a line I would consider playing with them. So like if, if I'm playing Colorado one, you actually can play some stuff from this game. If you're not, I think it's an mme game if that makes sense yeah i the frustrating part
1: about calgary is their best line is the Kadri line and it's also the line that gets basically third line minutes like that's kind of the problem with calgary okay. is their other two lines aren't really that good offensively um 2.8 uh, expected goals for the backland line 2.1 expected goals you know, neither of those over 2.6 goals per 60 minutes of 5-on-5, five five, which is about the league average this year, I think. So, like, Cadre line's literally the only line that's, that I would be comfortable saying is better than league average. And there are nights where, like, you know, Pospisil or Azari or, or whomever will get, like, nine minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's kind of the thing that sucks. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't have any interest in stacking Calgary here. It's actually the Veneers I believe the entire line that I do like because... Listen, Tatar was bad in Colorado. There's no way around it. But he was phenomenal in New Jersey last year. I don't think he just completely forgot how to. And he would like he was really good back in Montreal in you know years prior. I don't think he just forgot how to play hockey. You know, 20 games in Colorado or whatever. I, you know, we've seen players be bad fits there, like Alex Newhook just didn't stand out in Colorado. He looked better in Montreal up until he got hurt. Like, I think there are just some players that don't fit the way that they play. And I think Tatar was just one of them. <laughs> I think there's still guys on that Colorado <laughs> roster that don't fit in the way that they play, but they can't exactly cut Ryan Johansson. Um, so that, that Tatar line you were mentioning, still a small, like a really small sample, only 45 minutes, but 72 shot attempts per 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five, averaging anywhere from 15 to 18 minutes over the four games together, they're all in the same power play unit as well. Like, and I know, listen, Seattle's power play is nothing to write home about, but it's still a perfectly coordinated top line that could play about 17 minutes. And when you're only paying eleven thousand one hundred against the Flames team that hasn't been elite defensively, that hasn't had elite goaltending or anything like that, um, that would be the one line. You know, I don't mind the Kadri line either because they are still playing well. They just don't get a lot of minutes. It's the Veneers, I believe the tire line that I wouldn't mind playing out of this game just because, you know, if this line is good long term, it wouldn't surprise me because I think the tire is still a good player. He was just in a bad situation in Colorado. Um, and I could see them being, you know, a, an above average offensive line and an, a, an above average offensive line that is perfectly correlated on the power play that could all play around 17 minutes at 11,100 is not something that you get a lot of It's only 2.6 total. This is not a line I'm running out to play. They're not some secret weapon that I'm kind of holding to play with my super expensive stacks. I just think they're a line to consider, like you said, if you are playing a super expensive line like like Colorado 1. Yeah.
0: New Jersey really misses Tatar. Uh, Big hole there. Uh, Dawson Mercer, not it. Vegas Golden Knights with a 3.6 total heading into Anaheim Los Patos. The ducks have a 2.5 total. Very good power play spot for Vegas. I just I don't know, man, like one off Martius, so, probably my favorite play from Vegas. I guess you could go like Eichel Stone so if you wanted to. I just like on this slate, I don't have a ton of love for stacking Vegas. I, I think they're in a very good good spot, but they're one of these teams where it's just like you could see them winning like five to one, and Nick Waugh gets a goal, and then Pavel Dorfiev gets a goal. Eichel has an assist and two shots. Barber, you know, like you don't see like Eichel getting the points bonus with Stone having two goals and Barbashev having a three point night. Maybe you do, and that's the reason to play him. I think you know, like uh, some sort of power play stack is what I'm going to do for Vegas on the Duck side. 13500 for Terry, Zegers, Kalorn. Not saying play him in single entry, but I think if you're playing the expensive lines and you need a filler for MME, I don't mind that line.
1: Yeah, I do want to mention Terry and Zegers because they were one of the unluckiest lines in the league before Zegers got hurt. They were at 2.8 expected goals for only 2.3 expected goals against for 60 minutes before Zegers got hurt, by the way. Um, 0.8 actual goals for they were shooting under 3% uh, on the ice together so it's one of those spots where as soon as they you know started coming around they would start filling the net I don't know if this is necessarily a good spot for that what I will say is that they're not typically used in a shutdown role and you know the Stevenson Marsh so long I think could be had defensively so I, i'm not playing Anahe- any anaheim stack in the single entry i feel very confident about that but if i was playing you know 50 lineups or 150 lineups i think that terry uh zekers perfectly correlated line on the power play is certainly in play here tonight because once that positive regression kicks in that's you know that line is only going to get much much more expensive than they are right now so i don't mind chlorine zegers and terry if you are playing a bunch of lineups here tonight but it is vegas one that i do like best just because I do want to take advantage um, of the power play, I think I agree with you. I would probably just make it a power play stack. And I would, you know, put Eichel, Eichel, William Carlson, and, and Stone, or Eichel and Stone and Marsh Sower, or something like that. I think that's the direction I would go. Anaheim's taking 0.75 power, uh, is giving up 0.75 power more power plays per game than <laughs> the next closest team. It's something. It's something like they're giving up 18% more power plays than the next closest team. Like they are just um, giving them away uh, like they're on Oprah. So uh, Vegas power play stack is what I do like here. I honestly think this is a game where I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on the defenseman. And we'll get to those uh, when we're done this show or at the end of the show. Uh, But Vegas power play, maybe Anaheim one if I'm playing a, a, a lot of lineups here tonight.
0: Yeah, let's get to the last game of the night here. San Jose Sharks with a 2.2 total. Heading into Los Angeles, the Kings have a 3.8. Found the chalk, if you're playing Colorado, it's going to be LA 3. Pierre Locke Dubois, Arthur Kaliev, Alex LeFerrier, 9,500 to full stack, 0.5% top two stack percentage coming in at almost 11% projected ownership. I don't know, man. I would much rather play Seattle 1 than LA 3. Given the ownership there, my favorite play in this game is LA 1, 17,700 Kempe, Kopitar, Byfield coming in at projected 2.1%. That line, I just like him. And you can say, oh, maybe the stats are better for LA 2, maybe this and that. I'm a Kempe guy. I think Byfield's going to be a great player in the NHL. Kopitar is kind of just Kopitar at this point. I don't know how to describe him. But at 2.1% with a 3.8 total against the Sharks, I am in on Kopitar, Kempe, Byfield. I think Fiala Moore, Dino perfectly, um, perfectly good line. They're coming in at 6.7%. A little bit of negative leverage, but like against the Sharks, that's fine. LA 3 coming in at the highest, and I get it because they're so cheap and they fit with the expensive lines. But again, like I'd rather play a cheap line at lower ownership. LA 1 for me, LA 2 is fine. Sharks side, 2.2 total. Don't have a ton of love there. I, I don't mind an MME taking a stab on San Jose one or two, but like I'm not banking my night on playing some Sharks in this matchup. Yeah, it's
1: – I will say it's Dave Riddick starting for Los Angeles. It's not Cam Talbot. And big save Dave has not been making very many big saves. Uh, that's kind of why he's been in the AHL. Um And, you know, Zadina and Hurdle do have decent offensive numbers together. Uh, It's, again, in a small sample, up to 58 shot attempts for 60 minutes of five on five, though. Um, It's just a brutal, brutal matchup. The Los Angeles top line, their offensive numbers haven't been as great of late, but they're still generating 72 shot attempts. It's just been the quality that's fallen off a little bit. It's not something that I'm super concerned about um you know correlated on the power play unit coming in at two percent i think i agree with you like i do like the spot here a bit better for los angeles too but considering that the los angeles top line is only what 1400 more expensive and coming in at a one-third the ownership uh i'm with you i like the king's top line here uh tonight you know, if you want to play Kings 2, Kings 3, I, I you know, Kings 3, I think, at, once I get down to Kings 3, I think I would just turn it into a second unit power play stack. Because the Kings 2nd unit has been getting about 40% of the power play time over the last handful of games. So you can do, like, if you want to dilute that ownership, do, like, Kaliev, Dubois, plus Trevor Moore, Kaliev, Dubois, plus Dano, something like that. Um, but it is Kings 1 I like best uh, in this game. It's just a tremendous matchup at all strengths for them. Um, You know, San Jose penalty kill is not good. It's just a really, really good matchup for a Kings top line that has been basically pretty good for like a year now. Because it was about this time last year that Byfield was moved up to the top line from his depth role. And he's been there ever since. Um, Yeah, I mean, I have have a hard time believing Kings 1 is going to only be 2%. But honestly, even if they're 5%, I really don't care. I really do like the Kings' top line here tonight. They're also one of my favorite stacks on this slate.
0: Yeah. You can just straight-up power play a stack. Like, you can add in Fiala if you get some FOMO on that second line because the second line always comes in with the most ownership. But, yeah. Coming up after us, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Daylight Time. The days are getting longer. We do truly love to see it. NBA Deeper Dive with Josh Engelman and Adam Schurr. At 6 p.m. Eastern, NBA Live Before Lock with Greg Ehrenberg and Matt Bellman. So if you are playing NBA, stick around for that. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen here. Mikhail McCarr tops on the board here. Again, looking at the top um the top range. I think the few that I like the most here are Petrangelo, and Josh Morrissey, maybe you have a little bit more expensive play that you like, but those are the two that stick out for me. Who else you like up there? And then on the way down?
1: Uh, I mean it was Angelo Morrissey and Makara that I had on my list. So like we're all pretty close together there. Um in the mid-price range, the two that really I mean, Brock Faber, he's he could probably he could be the highest owned player on the sleeve here tonight. Um, certainly amongst the defensemen. Uh I honestly don't mind the spot for Zach Werenski that much. Like <laughs> Let's face it, like we said, New Jersey's uh, uh, goaltending has been a really big problem. And, you know, the club's power play has been better since they've gone to their this current iteration that they've had. So don't mind Wierenski. Also in the mid-price range, Jake Sanderson, Brandon Montour, both running their team's respective power plays. Um, for Pittsburgh, I don't mind Eric Carlson here, which feels kind of weird to say, but he's still been playing extremely well. Been shooting more. He's up over three shots per game over his last 10 games. So I don't mind Eric Carlson here. Uh Mike Riley for the, the Islanders. He's just been um putting up peripherals like crazy. He's starting to get a bit expensive, but I don't mind him at 4K. Uh for cheaper defensemen, I, I honestly don't like that three to four K range here on DraftKings tonight for defensemen. There are a few guys in there, Cam Fowler, Timothy Lilgren. Eric Goodbranson um, that I don't mind, um, Brian McDonough as well. But it is the cheaper, like under 3K guys that are like Sebastian Ajo, the other Sebastian Aho for the Islanders. He's up around 19 minutes a game with all their injuries. He might be good for a block bonus here tonight. Darren Radish with Mikhail Sergachev out for Tampa. Radish is going to be running the second power play unit. Um, Jordan Spence, uh, he, oh, he only he didn't play much in that last game right before the break. But up until then, he had been playing a lot more minutes with Vladislav Gavrikov um, out of the lineup. So uh, if you need a super cheap guy, uh, don't mind Jordan Spence. I know Gavrikov is back, but I still think it's a pretty good power play matchup uh, for uh, Los Angeles, too, here tonight. So I don't mind Jordan Spence. If you want to try it, you lucky at 2,700 on DK.
0: Yeah, don't have much to add there. Let's talk about some goalies. I was looking through the see if we got some more confirmed. We did. Connor Halbuck the most expensive on the board at 8,500. I think that's a cash play. I think you have 8,500 left over for a goal. You can play him in GPPs too, but you definitely need a shutout there. Um, I think Swayman also fine um, in cash. The 8K range is a bit wonky because you have Igor Shesterkin, Scott Wedgwood, Jacob Markstrom, UC Saros, Martin Jones. I, I think Shesterkin's fine. Um, I think Soros is fine in GPPs. 7,900 Sorokin definitely stands out as well. I think Vasilevsky for the shot volume, not too bad. Then you get down to the cheap range here. I think uh, Philip Gustafsson at 7,200. Joel Hofer and Devin Levi, 7,100. Interesting. Gibson obviously always gets shot volume at 7K. Then if it is Mackenzie Blackwood at 6,900, I will have some interest there. I I'll have less if it's Kakin in at 6,700. Blackwood has been playing well. But again, it's another one of the nights, um, a broken record. I don't think I'm going to be spending up over 8K for goalie.
1: Yeah. um, Number one with a bullet for me is Sorokin um, under 8K. Pretty good matchup against Pittsburgh. Don't mind Vasilevsky either. Um, He's not uh, all that expensive in his whole matchup um, against Florida. 7800 he's also uh, near the top of my list i wrote up Capo Kakinen because he's 6700 and he might see the most volume of any goalie here tonight it's just a matter of whether he lets in three goals or six <laughs> which that's the problem when you're playing you playing a san jose goalie uh i also have jacob markstrom uh for calgary uh seattle you know maybe tatar is generating gonna help them generate some more shots and seattle's power play isn't good so he markstrom might not face uh, a ton of dangerous um shots here tonight so don't mind markstrom uh connor ingram for or sorry Carl melka i had connor ingram carl from the for arizona if you really want to ride the lightning but uh, honestly if i'm not going to pay up for a goalie like if i'm going to be down you know around that 7 6900 range or whatever i'm just going to play whoever starts for san jose instead yeah
0: just strap on in and go for the ride. Could be a short ride, but, you know, you strap in. Uh, who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Uh, I'm going to go a little
1: bit off the board. We didn't talk about them much on, on the show here today, but if the goaltending for Dallas doesn't come through, Jordan Cairo is going to eventually start filling the net, and I'll take Jordan Cairo here tonight.
0: Yeah, he had a nice face turn after getting booed off the ice after having comments about whatever. Um, let's see, he... I got, I got to go with our flow chart, flow chart, boys. I'm going to go Gabriel Velarde. Ooh, I like it. A couple wingers here. Let's see what they can do. So we will be back Friday, four games late tomorrow. We'll be back Friday and uh, Saturday this week. So make sure to stick around for that. Uh, You don't have to stay in the chat, but like know that we're going to be here on Friday and Saturday Uh, as always share the link in the description in the uh, chat that helps us out I saw we got to sign up on the show so thank you very much uh and we will be back on Friday good luck everybody good luck tonight everyone